0: Well, good morning, Westridge. It's good to be back with you again today. When I was a kid, one of my favorite things to do when we visited my grandparents was pull weeds in their backyard. And that might sound kind of weird, but they paid like 25 cents per weed, and that's pretty good money when you're six. They had this large patio paved with stones that had gravel in between them, and these tiny little plants inevitably would pop up among the gravel year after year. Now, if you've ever done any sort of weed pulling yourself before, you know that getting the roots out with the weeds is the key to success. So on grandma and grandpa's stony patio, that was pretty easy because there wasn't much soil for those plants to even grow in. They never got very big to begin with, and they always came right out with little effort. I tell you that story because it actually has something to do with the parable we're going to look at this morning, which is found in Mark 4, 1 through 20. So if you have Bibles or Bible apps on hand, I'd encourage you to open them to that passage and follow along with us. While you're getting there, as a reminder, a parable is a short story meant to teach some sort of truth by way of illustration, the way Jesus most often told them Parables use ordinary details of life to teach us deeper spiritual truths. So this particular passage we're going to look at today has both a specific parable and a rare explanation of that parable. It's most often called the parable of the sower, but a better name might actually be the parable of the soils because it's really about the dirt. And sandwiched in between the parable and the explanation is this kind of odd little section on parables in general. We're going to look at each of the three of them in turn. But here's how the story begins in Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, listen. which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So let's break this down. We've got a farmer, some seed, And four different types of soils with four very different outcomes. Three less than ideal, and one of them miraculously good. So first we've got hard soil. It's been packed down from being walked all over. It's a path. Any seeds that land on the hard soil of the path, they just sit right on top and get taken away by birds. The soil of the path is actually too hard to receive the seeds being scattered, so nothing grows there. And second, we've got rocky soil, like my grandparents' stony patio. The wording may be a bit confusing to those of us who don't know much about agriculture or topography, myself included. But essentially what's being pictured here is a thin layer of soil sitting atop bedrock or some other kind of rocky barrier. The soil might look good from up top, but it's shallow. It's soft enough to receive the seeds and even allow for some growth above ground, but there's no room for roots to grow beneath. And as soon as weather conditions become challenging, these rootless plant shoots wither and die, and nothing comes of them. And third, we've got the thorny soil. Again, this soil might look good at first, but as the seeds grow, thorny weeds grow up with them. Like any weed worth the title, these thorns usually grow faster than the plants around them, and they take moisture and nutrients away from the plant shoots, choking the life out of them. Fourth, we've got the good soil. Here the soil is receptive to the seed. There are no unseen rocks to block deep roots from being formed, and no weeds grow to choke the life out of the plants. And the end result is that a bumper crop happens, with gains of 30, 60, even 100-fold. And then Jesus drops this somewhat mysterious line, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Understandably, his disciples were a bit confused at this point about what he was actually trying to teach them, so they asked him directly. Picking up in verse 10 of Mark 4, when he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Now, this sounds a little bit harsh. So harsh, in fact, that I I was kind of tempted to just skip over it and get right to the explanation. But it's in the Bible for a reason, and it turns out to be a pretty important one in this case. So, Jesus is actually quoting here uh, a passage of Scripture that, at that time, is like 700 years old. From the book of Isaiah, 6... Uh, verses 9 through 10. And he's essentially saying that part of the reason that he teaches in parables is actually to keep some people from understanding the truths that he's communicating. He could have made it easy and just spouted off truths in short, snappy, tweet-length proverbs, but he almost never did that. So why? To understand that question, we need to understand the difference between the two groups of people Jesus references here. His disciples... And those on the outside. And the difference, quite simply, is a relationship with him. His disciples knew him. They didn't just know his teaching or know a lot about him. They knew him. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells us that there will actually be people who come to the end of their lives, having known the truth about Jesus, and having done what they thought to be all the right things in his name But in verse 23, he says, Then I will tell them plainly, Away from me, you evildoers. I never knew you. What matters is knowing Jesus himself. And all that to say, as far as heaven is concerned, it doesn't matter what you know as much as it matters who you know. Jesus didn't really teach much in Proverbs because you can't have the kingdom without a relationship to the king. And parables invited those who wanted to know a truth into closer proximity to the person who is the truth. For some of you listening today, this might be just such an opportunity for you. Maybe you've been around all this church stuff for a while now, but have kept a relatively safe distance from Jesus himself. He already knows you, and he wants you to know him too. But Let's get back to his explanation Of the parable of the four soils, picking up again in Mark 4, verse 13. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word, and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke out the word, making it unfruitful. Others... Like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Jesus himself is the word. The message being spread like seed is about him and his kingdom. And we can't understand it without having a relationship with him. We don't get to take the gift without getting to know the giver. The responses of the soil are responses to the message about Jesus and his kingdom. The four soils are pretty much the equivalent of main characters in this story. So it's important to pay attention to which ones we most identify with. We have to know where we are in order to know how to grow from there. So if we find ourselves identifying with the hard soil of the path in this season of our lives, maybe we have a bit of a hard heart that keeps us from truly hearing the message do you find yourself maybe a bit more cynical or callous lately? Or perhaps not caring much for those in need? Or even emotionally closed off to the people who are supposed to be closest to you? If we identify most with the rocky soil, we'll hear the message and maybe even receive it with joy, but something going on under the surface in our lives will block roots from forming properly in us, and the growth won't last. So is there something beneath the surface in your life that you just can't seem to get past? Maybe it's shame or some kind of negative belief about yourself, a lie that you've been told and have kind of adopted. Maybe it's a belief that God isn't really as good as he says he is. And so when the going gets tough, you take that as proof and run the other way. If we identify most with the thorny soil, we might see the message take root in our lives, and even begin to grow, but when worries and wealth and other desires come into play, it'll choke it out and prevent any fruit from developing. So has your life maybe gotten a little too wrapped up in anxiety about your current situation? Are you maybe a little too in love with money, or a little too concerned about your perceived lack of money? If I'm honest, I have felt like I've had a lot of weeds springing up in my life this year. And when I let them grow unchecked, I really do start to notice that the fruitfulness and the joy in my life get choked out pretty quickly. This year, my wife and I got hit with thousands of dollars of unexpected medical bills before the pandemic even happened. And the pandemic then took a sizable chunk out of our already limited income. So I wasted a lot of time worrying about how to make ends meet. But as God worked to pull that particular weed from my life, he also provided for us at every step along the way. Every need we had was covered. I didn't have to worry about anything, but that worry got in the way. If we can honestly identify with the good soil, we'll receive the word with obvious and fruitful results. These results won't look the same for everyone, but that's okay. What matters is that we'll hear the word, accepting and acting on it, and will bear fruit as a result. Is your life producing or at least beginning to show signs of good fruit? Galatians 5 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the things that should be growing from our lives. This is the fruit that we're supposed to see. But which soil best represents you in this season of your life? I want to bring you back to my grandparents' backyard for just a minute. So as I grew older and more proficient in weed hunting... I was occasionally given opportunities to help my grandparents in the garden that they kept behind their stone patio. And there I got to break up hard ground for planting, remove large rocks from beneath the surface of the soil, and even dig out some pretty tough weeds so that whatever they were planting that year could grow unhindered. And even though the soil didn't start out ready to receive seeds, it would become good soil as it was worked on. And that means that there's hope for those of us who aren't quite in the good soil category yet. Hard soil? Well, hard soil needs to be softened and broken up. In other words, we're not going to grow without a bit of brokenness and vulnerability in our lives. Rocky soil, it needs the stuff under the surface dealt with and removed. We're never going to have truly fruitful lives if There are hidden barriers to God's love taking deep root in us that we're unwilling to have addressed. Thorny soil needs the weeds pulled out, roots and all. This means that whatever is choking out the growth in our lives needs to go. The weeds are different for everybody, but whatever they are for each of us individually, we need them pulled if we want to be fruitful. As for the good soil, it may take some painful difficult work to prepare for growth, but the growth itself requires no work at all. Growth happens naturally when the soil is prepared and the seed is received. And when it does happen, there'll be more than enough for us to share with others too. As Jesus reminds us in John 15, all we have to do in order to bear fruit is to stay connected to him but that means that the things which hinder that connection have to go if we want to grow. Thankfully, we don't have to do this work alone. After all, we're not the gardeners, we're just the soil. God can and will do this work in us if we let him, but we have to be willing. He's not going to bulldoze his way into our lives. So let me leave you with a challenge. At some point today, or even this week, I'd encourage you to ask God to show you which of the soils best represents you in your life situation right now. Spend some time thinking and praying about it, even if that feels a bit unnatural to you. Pay attention to what He might want you to hear and how He might be inviting you to respond. Let's pray. Lord, help us to take an honest assessment of where each of us is at. Show us the condition of our hearts in this very moment. If there are hard places that you need to break up or rocky barriers you need to remove or thorny weeds you need to pull, I I pray that you would make it clear to us. May our hearts be open and prepared for whatever you might have for us. May your love take deep root in our lives, and may we bear good fruit as a result. Amen.